Hey guys, this is Erica Go coming to you from the future. Well, not your future, but the future after the present time when we recorded the episode, so it was the future from there. You know what I mean. But anyway, just to let you know, this is our crossover episode with Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss, and about halfway through the episode-ish, Billy's headphones blew, so you're probably not going to hear a lot of him after that point. But hopefully Kate and I will keep you guys entertained enough that you continue to listen through to the end. And then at the end of the show, because we were too inebriated to record our uh, official closing that we usually use, I'll come at you guys again and hit you with those facts and thank our patrons. So see you in a little bit. Enjoy. Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language. It is intended for immature adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Maybe well beyond the point to pace yourself. Yes. I'm on drink three. And I've only been home for an Well, then let's hour. get it started before y'all start puking. <laughs> an hour and a half? I'm not sure I can count to three. So we're good. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Ah, Kate, you're going to have one hell of a disclaimer at the beginning of your show. <laughs> I, you know, I am unconcerned. It's okay. It'll take my brain. What? No, I'm looking taking at my brain. I'm looking at something. Oh my god. I have to have that or I don't remember. I shit. swear to God, keep this up. I'll have custody of the kids. Shut up. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> See, I used to <laughs> so I'm drunk. It's a problem. I used to threaten Willem with you know, if he screwed up big enough and bad enough, I would pack up the kids and you know, move away across the country and he'd never see them again. You know what I threaten him with now, right? What's that? I'm going to leave and I'm going to leave the kids with him. Ah. <laughs> yeah, you can have them. <laughs> <laughs> Good fucking luck. So, uh, welcome to Martinis and the Cobb, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. My name is Erica. I'll be your host this evening, joined by my co-host and husband, Billy. I'm going to fuck this chicken. You just watched the feathers fly. Woo! Whoa. What? Whoa. That was going a little bit too far. Oh, okay. Hi. <laughs> that was a way to tone it back. All right. Just hi. All right. Nice. And we are joined for this wonderful crossover episode, finally, with our good friend Kate from the Ignorance Was Bliss podcast. Hi, Kate. Hi, Erica. And Bill. Hi. How are you? We're good. What are you wearing? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> she looks Thank so you for hot. Letting me play. <laughs> we appreciate how you coming on to play it's it's wonderful that we're finally able to actually it's great do to this. have this i mean this is our second one it's always great having you and uh, sorry for yes. the fucking internet problems actually now i'm compelled to look at our fucking wi-fi is it okay yes our yeah. wi-fi okay. is okay we can still hear her i'm so. a nervous wreck <laughs> 
hopefully that shit has straightened itself out. Is if it not, we've got uh, our editing software recording still, just to be safe. So, like, so, Audacity as condom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Got yep. it. Yep. It is our plan B. <laughs> <laughs> I am not yet drunk enough to tell you about my plan B experience. So, Erica, go. All right. <laughs> so, for this wonderful crossover episode. Hey, Kate, every time I say upper decker, take a drink, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Oh my God. All right. Good talk. Am, okay. Okay. Erica, go. Not, go. I am not going to be able oh, wow. to walk up my own stairs by the time this is done. Putting a lot of pressure amazing. on me here. I on know, you? Like, halfway through the episode, we're going to hear on the other end, like, <laughs> okay. Now, listen. I, <laughs> I have only is. been hospitalized once for alcohol poisoning. I was that's 30. a lot more than most people. <laughs> that's that's one more than you should be. Really? Was, well, it was only the ER, but it was a long time. It I was, was only 30. the ER. Ah, the ER. It was only the emergency room. Oh uh, you know, for like emergencies. Tomato, tomato is fine. Well, that's the night that Willem and I discovered a, a fundamental aspect of adulthood, which is. Do you know no, how you decide? <laughs> well, no, we had sex in public by then, so that was not the issue. <laughs> no, it was. I mean, that night. It was. <laughs> this is easily becoming the best day of my life. <laughs> oh, shit. It's that. How do you know when it's time to go to the ER? Is the moment. That you ask, should I go to the ER for this? Yeah, I was just about to say, if you have to ask yourself, then you just gave yourself the answer, really. That is what I'm saying. That's what I'm Unless you're somebody that WebMDs every little thing. And then you think it's like cancer. I couldn't WebMD anything because I couldn't spell WebMD by that point. (laughs) Two of the letters are already spoken for. (laughs) I'm saying. Out of five. Willem, web web and be my web web and my, my shit. Web 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 my web, web my shit. So I was wrong with my shit. I am not drunk enough to tell you the story, but by the end of the episode, I might be. So just remind me, Erica. Leave go, that please, for the love of God, Erica, save me from myself. That's the new catchphrase. Is Erica leave that in? Leave that in. <laughs> We're not editing shit out. Oh, fuck, I'm not editing a goddamn thing. Just go. Okay. I love, Jesus Christ, just go. God damn it, Erica, for fuck's sakes. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and for any of our listeners who may be wondering, yes, we are a little inebriated. It is my birthday. It's Erica's birthday. So we did right, some free gaming. Billy, we got to do it again. We're already. Oh, okay. Wait. Up to the task. Okay. Happy birthday. birthday to what the fuck is your problem, Billy? Happy birthday to <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know Happy what to do. Happy birthday 
to you. You do the dancing. Oh, <laughs> he, he's dancing. You just can't see it. Happy birthday, Erica. Go. Happy birthday to you. To me. Woo! Welcome to your 20s. Another year older. Uh, I mean, it's better than the alternative. True. Could be dead. Wow. Yeah, it really took me kind of dark on that. Okay. Great. Are you? You thought that's what I bring to this podcast. Hello. You kind of darkness and misery. I appreciate that. It's neat, right, Billy? Yeah, 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 yeah. We spoon. Yeah, that's okay. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) All right. So uh, you, uh, you guys, go ahead and start. I'm gonna jump off here for a second. I'm gonna refresh that. Okay. Thank you. Okay. You guys, um, Kate and Erica, go. Woo. Woo. Okay. I don't think so, I'm drunk enough to make that noise. Good for you. <laughs> I practice it a lot. I like when I'm think. sitting by myself at work, I'm just like, woo! And <laughs> it just kind of comes out now. Cool. So anyway, for this episode, uh, we picked one I'd been wanting to do for actually a very long time. <clears throat> and um, I have a book all about it. It's called Rites of Burial. It's all about Bob Berdella, the Kansas City Butcher. He's icky. He's so icky. <laughs> the highest form of icky there could ever possibly be. Ick and, to the max. Yeah. And if you don't know, Robert Berdella is a serial killer who should be a true crime household name. I can't even talk. A oh, my God. Household That's amazing. Name. I'm so glad. <laughs> Should be a true crime household name like Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, and Ted Bundy. He lacks in his number of murders, but was just as sadistic. Drugging, raping, and torturing six young men while documenting it all with notes and photos. And I figured we could kind of start off with the day he was actually arrested when his last victim escaped. And then just kind of let it unfold from there. And we're going to go back and forth because you trust me and I love you. I trust you. <laughs> and I love you. So we're good. I love you too. <laughs> the love is so strong right now. It is. It really is. Oh my goodness. So we have Chris Bryson. On Saturday, April 2nd, 1988, around 10.30 a.m., an injured man, naked except for a dog collar, that should be a bad <laughs> Which, sign right there. I can't tell you how many stories about my life start the same way. <laughs> wow, Kate, what kind of fucked up <laughs> life you got? <laughs> <sighs> An injured man, naked, I just want to say it again, naked except for a dog collar, <laughs> ran down Charlotte Street in Kansas City, Missouri. He approached a meter reader. Which nobody has ever done in the history of meter reading. Right. He was yelling that he has been held captive and was going to be killed and needed help. The two went to a nearby house and called 911. Police arrived and the man told them his name was Chris Bryson. He was 22, married with a child, 
But Chris also dabbled in drugs and occasional prostitution to acquire those drugs, usually cocaine, because it's fucking expensive, man. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. All right, I'm back. Everybody start over. Speaking of cocaine, (laughs) yeah, no, you're fine. Put on your dog collar and shut up. With this grindy habit. (laughs) (laughs) He initially told police that he had been hitchhiking in the middle of the night the previous Tuesday and was picked up by a man and a woman and taken back to the house he had just escaped from at 4315 Charlotte Street. He said he had been held captive for four days, raped and tortured by the man who lived at the house. And had gotten out of his restraints and jumped out of a window once the man left. Now, at first, police thought, like, much like what would happen in the 1991 case of the 14-year-old that briefly escaped from Jeffrey Dahmer, that this man was just relaying, like, a homosexual lover's quarrel. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I am not entirely shit-based. Because I can say Conorank. No, apparently I can't say it, but I can think it. (laughs) (laughs) I know what you're thinking, and that's why I didn't use his name. (laughs) Shit, never mind. Garrick go. Wait, didn't they? Didn't uh, I? No, no, they didn't. No, I am ashamed. It's terrible. That's okay. Um, I'm wondering (laughs) with Dahmer, they gave that guy right back to Dahmer, didn't they? Yeah. He said, oh, no, that's just my lover, and we had a tiff, and, and he's drunk, he's just and, drunk and ignore okay. the gaping hole in his head. Yeah. So uh, much like that, they thought this was just, oh, it's a lover's spat. But thankfully, they decided to have Chris sent to the hospital and give a statement while some officers surveyed the Charlotte house. And Chris ended up admitting that he hadn't been hitchhiking. And that there was no woman in the car that picked him up. He had been out hustling to try to get drugs. And a copper-colored Toyota Tercel had pulled up with a pudgy, mustachioed man wearing glasses behind the wheel. Who else would be driving that? that yeah, that sounds fits. about right. That works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of looks like Mario. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It looks like. <laughs> The man uh, never playing, had never had playing Mario been again. the mustachioed Bob Berdella, who looks much like Mario from Nintendo. Oh my no, it's God. fine. Nintendo so when I my first my first ever apartment I rented when I was nineteen, and my landlord introduced himself as my name is Mario, like Nintendo. <laughs> wow. What the fuck is even happening? Presumptive. <laughs> I'm saying. But it was 500 bucks a month for four bedrooms. And so I didn't ask any of your questions and it was fine. Wow. Okay. So I got to ask, um, when he said that, uh, you did high five him, right? No, I actually <laughs> oh, him my. Head like he was a, like he was a, a mushroom. It was okay. Did you say denim, 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 <laughs> denim, denim, denim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, come on. That's the that's the cleanest that that is actually the cleanest joke I've ever been told in my life. Yeah, what was it again? Okay, what is Mario's overalls or coveralls made oh of? Oh my god. Oh yeah. Denim denim denim. Yeah, it's great. It's perfect. Such a good joke. <laughs> it's just it's list okay, my ears. You know what? Kate go. Kate go. <laughs> Chris got in the car and Bob offered him some beer, inviting him back to his house to partay. Partay. If you have a big bushy mustache and you're a portly fella, 
in a Toyota Tracel, copper colored. Right you now, he's, he's doing everything you think that he would do. <laughs> I mean, and yeah. why not? Check. Would you hey. not get in Check. the car? Uh, yeah, I, that would be that would be my mission in life. I'd be like, well, you're yeah, you be like, well, you I are, am trying to pick up this trendy cocaine habit. You have so. a crazy uh, handlebar mustache, and you're driving a copper color Toyota Tercel. Um, you could ask me if I want some candy. I'll probably get in the car. <laughs> Because this is yeah, ooh, piece of candy. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, you want to party? Want to see your dead body? I'd be like, yes to everything you just said. Yes. Why yes, are we not I there do. now? Let's exactly. make this happen. Exactly. <laughs> why, are, why are we sitting here talking? Why are we not driving? I don't even understand. So they return <laughs> to this three-story house, and that's not creepy, by the way. Three-story no, house. Not at all. Anyway, Bob talked Chris into going upstairs. <laughs> Saying that one of his chow dogs had just had a litter of puppies and she was highly protective, so it would be safer upstairs. I mean, that would get me upstairs. Chows what, are dicks. Like- Chows are just mean. Chows are dicks. But puppies. Sorry to any of you chow lovers. But puppies. Whatever. But the mother would be more protective. Yeah, I mean, like she would be even more of a bear bitch, cub, bear literally cubs are, and figuratively. Bear cubs are cute, but when you walk into where a bear cub is and mom sees you. That's a wrap. I remember watching that movie. Revenant. Oh, with Warner Herzog? Yeah, he's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> fucked his shit up. <laughs> Sideways, yes. I'm sorry, Kate. Oh, go. documentary? Uh, oh, yeah, it's a yes. documentary. I'm it sorry. actually was. It really the, was, the yeah. It's, it, it's the first yeah. time ever that it actually was a documentary? That's amazing. And I have a question. Oh, yeah, please. Okay, no, it's about the movie. So, um... <laughs> There's controversy, and I don't think anybody's even answered it yet, but did he actually cr- crawl inside of a horse? Leonardo DiCaprio. The fuck are you talking about? Have you seen it? Oh, Have you- oh, oh, the Revenant. Totally different room. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You're talking about a totally different documentary than I am. It's fine. I'm Go. talking about Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. I'm talking about the Warner Herzog movie about the guy that actually got eaten a bear actually on camera. Oh, oh. Yeah, he had a hard Wednesday. The movie I'm talking about <laughs> is he went off the cliff with a horse. I don't remember him getting in a horse. Oh, yeah, yeah, because it was winter. He had to cut the horse open. Star, Star Wars style. I've only seen it once. And he so. slept inside of a horse. But when you look at, when you watch the movie, you're like, fuck, that looks like a real goddamn horse. There's no way they did that. If it was a documentary, Billy. Well, Erica, shit. Yeah. Is it Catherine the Great? I, all all I'm going to say is just edit all this out. No. <laughs> Fuck. Kate. As they walked Kate, up the Kate, stairs. Kate, Kate, Kate. Are you going to make me do a shot? No, I'm just going to say upper decker. <laughs> gonna make me do, I'm going to do it right here. You got to do have, it. Okay. You got to do it. I have fireball. Fire, I can't say it already. Fireball. Thank you. Oh, is that what you're. Oh, fireball. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you got to be careful because if that comes back up. Just, uh, I think it's too late for me to be careful. All right. I so got as... really drunk on cinnamon. What was it? It was hot damn. It was hot damn. Yeah. Oh, In you redneck school. fireball. That's so sweet. Yeah. And That's OG. All I remember is throwing up and saying it's pink. And <laughs> it wasn't very good, so I can't do cinnamon alcohol. I, I don't even think she'll chew a piece of big red, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Is that a euphemism? Now are we back to this again? Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I had that with rum. 
Nice. Oh, Erica's a rum gal. Yes. Rum, ha- rum and I have had a couple of very serious arguments, and rum kicks my ass every time. Like it's good though. Bruised level kicks. No, I can't. I can't even glare at rum anymore. It's just try no. cracking. It doesn't taste like other rums, and it goes down smooth, and it's fucking awesome. Well, well, you know, my mother's visiting for Christmas, so I may have to. The bottom line is, um, next year when we're in Chicago, I'm going to order you so much goddamn rum. And then (laughs) we're going to have fun, and we're going to sing karaoke, (laughs) and then we're probably going to get some pizza, probably Chicago style, if I'm not stupid. And then (laughs) we're going to have the time of our fucking lives. Wouldn't there just be called pizza? You're straying off topic. <laughs> Home style. You're in Home Chicago. Style. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Fun. I'm sorry. I I I stepped on you. Go ahead. Um. No, Erica, go. The man was Barbadella, and no, 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 no. It's my turn. Never. No, mind. it's your turn. Yeah, it's my turn. Hey, go. So as they walked up the hot the stairs, Bob hit Chris in the back of the head with a two foot iron pipe. That I wonder has if to feel he bad. measured first. <laughs> like how does he know anyway when well chris was dazed bob injected a drug into his neck rendering him unconscious bob dragged him into a bedroom and onto a bed then tied his wrists and ankles to the bedpost you guys are hardcore holy fuck i talk mm-hmm. about bad people like us anyway he gagged him with a washcloth wrapped around a cord that was then tied around his head yeah. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> I told you I'm a sucker for the details. I love you. <laughs> Lastly, he put a dog collar <laughs> around his neck attached to a leash that was then also tied to the bedpost. This man is a motherfucking Boy Scout. He knows how to get down. Yep. Well, he knows how to tie knots. <laughs> you know what gets me is when you said it, you said a two foot, what, iron? Yes, iron pipe. Iron pipe. And you said, I wonder if he measured it. I, I, I just got this picture of him in like a shop with a five footer, and he's like, "No, this is too much, too much." And then he shaved like six inches. He was like, "Uh, what am I gonna do?" Walked out the street with this. He got down to two feet, and he was like, "Yeah, perfect. There it is. That's the one. (laughs) That's the one." Well, for the next four days, and I spelled that wrong. For the next four days. Chris was regularly injected with drugs that rendered him unconscious or unable to fight back. He was raped multiple times, tortured with electric shocks, had his hands beaten with the iron rod, had his eyes poked with Q-tips that had been saturated with bleach, because that's fucked up, and had his voice box injected with drain cleaner. You know what would have really done it? Is the whole, like... I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. Approach. <laughs> that would have been yeah, the, the worst. The whole thing, like you grab their wrist, you're like, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? <laughs> <laughs> or like they're wearing a jacket where their mittens are on idiot strings, and you uh-huh. pull one, and so they punch themselves. <laughs> I'm such a fucking dweeb. I'd be like, he was tortured with wedgies and Indian birds. <laughs> it was awful. It was Poor the guy. worst. The humanity. <laughs> Well, through this whole thing, Bob took Polaroid pictures of Chris bound That's and being worst. tortured. Yeah. And made Polaroid notes. They're never yes. Immediately exposed. They really they really never catch your good side. No. No, probably not. No. Nope. You don't have like a do-over with you do with That's the thing. Like if you take a digital picture, nowadays. you're like, oh, I blinked. You know, but like Polaroid, it's there. Yeah. Forever. Forever. 
Evidence. <laughs> Plus, he was tied and gagged. That's no fun either. Yeah, no, not at all. With his Hard eyes to smile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not going to get your good side at all. Am I the only guy? I swear to God. I, and... There's a whole new meaning to red eye. Oh. <laughs> I'm actually oh, no. of this. Where, like, if I was to tape a person's mouth shut for real, I would just draw a smiley face on there. I'd be like, yeah, look at you. <laughs> kind of reminiscent of Casey Anthony putting the little stickers on her daughter's duct tape across her mouth. I was thinking of in which Bob Berdella is like Casey Anthony. I am on board. Oh my God. I was thinking of Bob's burgers. You fucking psycho. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Me or her. I told you. Yeah. That's yes. what I bring. That's my answer. That's my answer, Kate. <laughs> I am yes. here for the party. Okay, Erica, go. <laughs> I bring the fucked up shit. I'm sorry. You kind of do. Oh, that's why I love you. It really is. Happy birthday, honey. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he took these Polaroid pictures and then took notes of what he was doing in a notebook. Well, you don't and have to forget. He, yeah, exactly. You got to m- memorialize it. <laughs> Erica, have another drink. We're good. <laughs> Erica, uh, upper decker. Oh. Oh no! While she's drinking, I'm gonna go ahead and say it's called scrapbooking, and you can go to Michaels or Hobby Lobby and really fucking put it down as an art. He was scrapbooking. Okay, Erica, no more drinks. He was scrapbooking before it was popular. I love you guys so much. When I try, it comes out okay. It's when I just vomit from the mouth. Erica Sifrit, right? And what's his name? Was it Billy? Shit, yeah. that would be amazing. Damn, the name was Erica and Billy, but I don't think so. Anyway, ignore me, go. <laughs> but no, Erica Stiffreet was one. She, uh, Ocean City, Maryland, uh, wherever the fuck, and they kidnapped the other couple. No, you know, just go. I'm drunk. It's fine. Okay. God bless it. <laughs> but they <laughs> they owned a scrapbook store. Uh huh. Snakes and. They shot another couple and killed them. And you guys know, okay? Not. I am making any synapses connect right now. She spelled her name wrong. That was part of the problem. All I know is that next year, Kate's getting a big hug. Benjamin, not Billy. Benjamin, Erica, and Benjamin Sifrit. They killed Uh a couple. Joshua Ford and Jeannie Crutchley in Ocean City, Maryland. I had the town right. Erica, go. Please shut me up. Okay. I swear to God, I thought you forgot my name. <laughs> You're like Erica, and what's his name? I'm like, no, really? I may be on the verge of forgetting my own. So we need to, we need to. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's wrap this up before Kate dies. <laughs> so uh, we're only although on if you one. wrap it up after Kate dies, then you have like an inside scoop. So there's that. So uh, Bob showed Chris Polaroids of other men that were bound and being tortured, some of which looked deceased. And he told them that he better follow the rules because the other men hadn't and they ended up dead. So it became routine for Bob to rape Chris in the morning before going to work. (laughs) Routine. And then before bed at night, multiple times, sometime administering enemas before the anal rapes. Because you got to have a a clean slate there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you got to purge the line. Yep. I suppose. You guys just have more than I have. 
It's just so weird that it's like routine. Like, you have you your omelet, and then you're like, "All right, well, time to get the raping." And uh, let's get the rabies stuff out of the way before I go to work. Oh, I'm gonna be so late. Gotta go ahead and fuck them. Yep, like clockwork. Like no. <laughs> Mondays, am I right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wow, Bob, you're looking tired today. You got no idea. Yeah. <laughs> By Saturday, day four, Chris had built up enough trust, question mark, by following Bob's rules that Bob agreed to tie his hands in front of his body so that he could change. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so the, This is the most male sentence I have ever said in my life. So I have to start over because this is amazing. <laughs> by Saturday, day four, the rape and kidnap victim, Chris, had built up enough trust by following the raper and kidnappers rules that Bob agreed to tie his hands in front. I can't say it. Tie his hands in front of his body so that he could change the motherfucking channels with the TV remote while Bob was gone at work. Yep. Jesus H. Christ. <laughs> Boys. God, testosterone poisoning. He's like, I got to watch the big four game. It's I mean, on. priorities, you know? <laughs> I mean, if I had to sit in front of the home shopping network for 23 hours on end, I'd probably blow my fucking head off. So how are you going to do that when your hands are tied? Well, he's going to let me put him in the front. (laughs) You going to get a gun when you're tied down to the bed? Testosterone poisoning. I'm telling you. So anyway, (laughs) but Bob had accidentally left a book of matches within reach like you do. So once he left that morning. Chris wiggled his hands out of their bindings and burned through the four ropes that were holding his legs to the bed. He opened the window and started to climb out, but the ledge broke and he fell, breaking up on his foot when he landed. Very Doppler. Doppler, yeah. That's when he hobbled up the street to the meter reader. I like how we gave, like, the that's bad sound to when he broke his foot and not to like when he was being raped and tortured and drugged. I guarantee you. (laughs) I guarantee you when he broke his foot and laid there for that, that one second, he was like, (sighs) no, I bet you, I bet you, I bet you he sat there and was like, you know, I think there are days (laughs) and there are days. I, I think God hates me. I think this is where I'm at right now. I don't know what I did. Now but... I'm unhappy. Yes. This you know, is putting now, a crimp in my just, day. Yeah. I was irritated, but now I've broken my foot and this sucks. Bummerville, population <laughs> me. Yes. Welcome so... to Nopeville. <laughs> so while Chris was being examined at the hospital and giving his statement, Bob Ardella returned home around 1130 a.m. after receiving a phone call from a neighbor telling him all the... Cops are everywhere, and they're in front of your house, and they're they're all up on your shit. And, and so, oh, uh, by the way, a naked man wearing a dog collar <laughs> yeah. fell out of your window this morning. I just thought you should know he was hobbling like he broke his foot. He's got a bit of a limp. <laughs> so, uh, Bob, gotta give him some props here. He approached the officers like he was gonna like talk his way out of it or some shit. But he was swiftly arrested. (laughs) And uh, he refused to let the cops enter the house. So a search warrant was obtained. And they were like, fuck you. We're going to go in. And went in two hours later. I bet he was like, you know what? 
I'm going to straighten this whole thing out. <laughs> hey, guys, what are you doing here? Oh, the guy Can with the I collar. Get you some I know him. <laughs> We've met. Put my hands behind my what now? Yeah. <laughs> yep, that didn't go over too well. They were like, nope, get your ass to jail. I'm sorry. Oh. I thought this was America. I thought I could just come to you and talk reason. Oh, well, that's great. That's Billy's go-to. I thought this yes. was America. I'm a grown-ass man. I thought it was. I'm a grown-ass man. Yes. <laughs> so, the house. Bob's house was straight out of a hoarders episode. Absolutely. I can still put two syllables in that, so it's hoarders. So I'm good. We're good. I'm fine. Yes. There were stacks of papers and bags of magazines and clothes everywhere. Trash and dog feces littered the floors. And there, you know, like you do, there was a rotting turkey in a pot on the stove. Surrounded by mounds of dirty dishes. Well, yeah, what I mean, it what is like you do with your what are you gonna do with your rotting turkey? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's April. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're gonna do throw it out. Seriously. <laughs> he's busy he's busy like tying people's hands together in the front yeah yeah time to worry about a damn turkey he had to go to work i mean the turkey isn't going anywhere let's be honest right it Not was yet. low on the priority list yeah many rooms held antiques and foreign objects some in display cases taking up even more space than the house was lacking the smells from the rotting food, trash, dog feces, and bug spray, bug spray, bug spray that Bob had used generously <laughs> was overwhelming. Mm, sounds like something you see should see on HGTV. It's just kind of like Dracar Noir. Mm, yeah. Nice. Right? <laughs> Dracar Noir. <laughs> well, detectives quickly found the upstairs bedroom that Chris had been held captive in. The cords were still tied to the bedpost, some visibly burned. <laughs> you, you, you knew because written and blown on the wall is like, help, he fucks me. <laughs> I don't it's think that was my bad, daddy. But when you <laughs> <laughs> a tray sat next to the bed and held syringes, bottles of liquid prescription medications, ointments, eye drops. And Archie comics, know. oddly enough. <laughs> Eye drops are important when you have bleach infused into your fucking eyeballs with Q-tips. You gotta be able to blink. And a notebook. He's trying with... to watch the TV. Yeah. <laughs> a notebook with handwritten abbreviated notations made in it. A transformer sat on the floor with attached wires leading to the bed. Hmm. Wait, what year was this? I'm sorry. 88? 88. You know what he was watching? American Gladiators. I'm not stupid. Right. It's With American like Gladiators. Turbo and Nitro and... Thunder? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I, yeah. Yeah. You know okay. them all? Were you pen pals? No, but I understand getting your hands tied to the front now. <laughs> it's called you. It's called USA Up All Night, okay? Oh, what else are you going to do with your time? I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please protect me from this image. <laughs> so, uh, they shot tennis balls. It was a real thing. Yes. Yes, it Even was. Even if the balls didn't ask first, yes. Yep. Right. So, aside from the Transformer, male porno mags and leather belts were strewn around, and the metal pipe Chris had been beaten with was laid at the foot of the bed. Police started thinking this was probably more than a lover's quarrel at this point. It, the pipe gave it away? 
Oh, and good. The, the drugs and the syringes and so the transformer I, so I saw in the middle of the fucking room. The rookie saw a pipe and was like, well, I don't like this at all. <laughs> it could have been. The sergeant was like, more, it was the fact that he was watching American Gladiators at two in the afternoon. <laughs> like, what is going on? Here? Yeah, the sergeant was like, shut up, new fish. Gladiators is on. <laughs> I got 20 bucks <laughs> on Nitro. <laughs> No. So, as they continued to search, they found a shoebox full of Polaroid pictures in an adjoining room. The pictures were of Chris Bryson while he was apparently being tortured. More Polaroids of other men being raped and tortured were packaged in baggies. Are we sure baggies and not like the generic? It said baggies. (laughs) Well, it said baggies. (laughs) These were in individual sets with notes attached. In many of them, the photographer was performing anal sex or receiving fellatio and could only be seen from the chest or abdomen down. I'm sorry, we call them mouth hugs. <laughs> it was the swee. <laughs> Who's the swee? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, again, not totally drunk because I'm biting my tongue. We're good. It's good. We're fine. Some of the other men were tied and gagged. Some were being sodomized. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Some were being sodomized. This is not funny. <laughs> Are you sure, Kate? Are you sure? This is so bad. No. I have a I question. Sure. I, have a, no, I have an actual no, no. I have an actual question. Okay. Um, so these Polaroids, are these like um what you would consider like pictures? Yes. Yeah, like uh trophies. Kind of. Kind of like that? Like, you kind of want to keep, well, even though maybe, it can incriminate you. Manual. He's like. Like with IBM. You know, you get a job at IBM, you have to write a technical manual. You have to remember what went wrong the last time. This is like science. Yeah. To him, and we'll kind of get into the psyche a little bit here in a little while. But to him, it was almost like he was, to him, experimenting performing experiments wait so these these polaroids is he troubleshooting kind of this is what i'm saying and you keep track you know it's how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and if you do it wrong you want to know what you did wrong the next time yeah it wasn't like a do you want to send this error to microsoft it was more like fucking clippy see what fucking happened wrong here it's that try again it's like I'm sorry, are you trying to make a resume? And you're like, fuck you, Clippy, I can do it myself. And he's like, no, I'm going to take Polaroids. Exactly. It all comes clear to me now. So, (laughs) I'm going to try this sentence again, because it's not funny, but it's fucking funny. Some of the other men were tied and gagged. Some were being... (laughs) Can't do it. Some Uh were being sodomized with vegetables. Mm -hmm. But it's not specified which ones. And I'd like to know. I don't want to know. I kind of want to know. Carrots and cucumbers. (laughs) <laughs> thank you some had syringes sticking out of their skin and some had electrodes or jumper cable jumper cables attached to their bodies i hope one of them was applesauce and i really want to know how that happened how <laughs> he got raped with applesauce, applesauce. yeah, yeah well, it was just applesauce later it started off as apples <laughs> <laughs> yeah we, we we call it a fiji apple fiji fuck you that's what we call it <laughs> What's this we again? Here you we. are. Yeah. I don't know, Erica. We'll just you and I'll talk for a while. It's fine. Don't so, you judge um, me. I, it's too late. You have been judged. <laughs> <laughs> a book titled 
how to create poisons and the antidote to them was found, as well as a book called Satanic Interpretation and Lifestyle. These are real books? Yes. There you go. Seriously? (laughs) Yeah. How do you think I got through college? (laughs) Wow. Why do you think we have a podcast, Billy? (laughs) Why do you think I'm going on Amazon right now to fucking go book shopping? Holy shit. Papers Christmas gifts! Yay! <laughs> Papers with men's names handwritten on them are found all over the house. And a wallet with the ID of a Walter James Ferris was found on a mantle. On a that's mantle. where you keep them. Well, a mantle, which implies there were several. I don't have any in my house. <laughs> it's three stories, Kate. Well, I mean, technically so is mine because I'm in my motherfucking basement. True. Whatever. Is your chow having puppies? I'm not talking to you about my chow. (laughs) 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 Terrible. I guess I'm shut down. I don't know. Yep. Okay, sure. (laughs) You might be. I can't finish the sentence and I won't. Newspaper clippings containing articles about missing men were found in folders. In folders. Yep. A bag of what was believed to be human vertebrae were found. And on a shelf in the closet was a toothless skull. But, don't worry, the teeth weren't far away. Oh, that's good to know. (laughs) They were in two envelopes next to the skull. One for uppers and one for lowers. Hey, he's got a system here. He's got, it's a, yeah, it's a whole thing. (laughs) Well, based on Chris Bryson's statement and evidence found to corroborate it, police and the prosecutor decided that Bob will be charged with nine felonies, seven sodomy charges, a first-degree assault charge for being beaten and shocked, and one charge, which shouldn't that be two charges? He was beaten and he was shocked. Probably more than once, but anyway. And one charge of felonious restraint for tying Bryson to the bed. But the skull and over 300 Polaroid and snapshot photos of other men being tortured meant that Bob could be guilty of much more than what Bryson claimed. He the investigation might have a bad fashion sense. Yeah. The investigation was going to get a whole lot bigger. But let's kind of delve into the life of Bob Berdella before we go into further into the actual crimes here. Let's. But first, Billy, get Erica another drink. She is not as drunk as I am, as I am, and I am not okay with that. Oh, drinking. Erica, okay. upper decker, go. <laughs> okay. okay. So Bob's life. Robert Berdella was born on January thirty first, nineteen forty nine, and he grew up in Cuyahoga Falls in northeastern Ohio. His father, Robert Berdella Sr., was a devout Catholic of Italian descent and was a die cutter at a nearby Ford Motor Factory. His mother was a housewife that took care of Bob and his younger brother, Daniel. Bob was baptized Catholic, and his family attended Mass regularly, with the boys attending Sunday school and other religious education courses. I just have to say, that's probably the problem right there. (laughs) I mean, he got ideas, he learned, I mean, study. I was raised Catholic, and it's not the way to be raised. Just it saying. seems to have done everything for you. I mean, 
you see how fucked up I am now. Come on, guys. Yeah, but you're sexy. <laughs> That's the difference. Woo! Sexy. <laughs> Go. Yeah. <laughs> Bob would claim after his arrest that his father favored his younger brother because of his athleticism and interest in sports, Boom. which is something Bob did not have. Oh. He said his father would sometimes have outbursts and become verbally and physically abusive, beating him with a leather strap. Welcome to fucking 1949, shithead. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> but people that knew the Berdellas claimed that they never knew Robert Sr. to behave that way and felt the Berdellas were very likable. So it's quite possible maybe he was just making this shit up. I mean, who a knows? A serial killer and a liar. I mean... <laughs> I know it's stretching it, but <laughs> I guess. Well, well, Robbie, as his parents called him, was a very intelligent child, but was described as aloof and wasn't very sociable. He had a slight lisp and wore thick glasses and didn't seem to have many friends. Could you he say it again, please? A, a slight lisp. A slight lisp. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> He played inside, read books, collected coins and stamps, and wrote to pen pals from all over the world. He liked to paint and would sometimes send his painting to his pen pals, and they would sometimes send him stamps from their country to add to his collection. He kept every letter they ever sent him into his adulthood. <laughs> he kept the shit. He claimed he knew he was gay during this time, but he kept it a secret and never acted on it in his teens. I mean, it was like the 60s, 70s, and that probably wasn't very acceptable. Yeah, and so, I mean, that makes it totally okay to be a serial killer. We're done. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, the Berdellas went to visit family in Canton, Ohio for Christmas in 1965, when Bob was 16. On Christmas Day, his father, who had forgotten to shop, had a heart attack and was admitted to the hospital. That would do it. I mean, it's a way to get warm blankets, right? <laughs> Bob returned home to Cuyahoga Falls, only to be called by his mother two days later and told that his father had died at the age of 39. Wait, let me do this math. Okay, okay. thirty-nine. I, at first I was like, 29 and 16, Jesus Christ. But no, 39, that's <laughs> totally different. Okay, we're good. He later claimed that within that same year, he was raped by a co-worker from his restaurant job, but he never reported it. His mother also remarried a businessman shortly after his father's death, which is probably the worst of all. Like, father death, mm -hmm. rape, eh, but mother remarrying? Now. Now. Man. That would do it. Shit. <laughs> he was resentful. He felt betrayed that she would remarry so soon. After all of that... Bob was not able to find any solace in the church that told him he was going to hell anyway and quit going to mass. He became Bingo. Yeah. Became cynical toward organized religion, but read about and studied multiple religions extensively, never finding one that he would claim. And after graduating high school, he enrolled in the Kansas City Art Institute in the fall of 1967 with a partial scholarship. He became a completely different person in college, coming way out of his shell. He enjoyed attention-grabbing stunts and became theatrical and sarcastic, doing things to shock people or to gross them out. 
and he created some quote unquote performance art that shocked students and college administrators alike. He once constructed a small maze and handed each participant that entered a baby chick to hold while they found their way through. At the end, they had to watch a short film of a chick pegging it some feed. Oh, cute, right? Only for it to explode from a gunshot. Wow. In shock, some participants inadvertently squeezed the chicks that they had forgotten they were holding in their hands, <laughs> which okay. Bob watched with enjoyment. There's there's some genius behind that, frankly, but that's like a Stanford <laughs> prison experiments. I mean, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> then Bob, like you would, started collecting antiques and oddities from around the world. His interest in foreign objects and antiques was probably sparked by his interactions with his various pen pals. He had, oh, by the way, a couple of arrests for having marijuana. Oh, no. Ooh. And LSD, actually, no. Oh. <laughs> and he began selling some of his treasured items to pay his lawyers and court fees. He started treating the selling and trading of items as a business, which is not, is that not kind of the definition of a business? <laughs> the selling and trading of items? I mean, Bob, come on, Bob, really, Bob? Anyway, he had cards and stationery printed describing his shop as ethnological curiosities from the world's far corners that makes so much sense he's a flat earther <laughs> okay bob <laughs> fucker Idiot. he became more and more disinterested in art school because he felt the teachers were just teaching by reading words out of the classroom text and not really involved Early in his third year, he presented some more bizarre performance art by bringing a duck on campus and publicly beheading it, <laughs> then dancing around it. This is probably not as funny as I think it is. Like you do. <laughs> <laughs> like I do. I mean, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, he did take it home and cook it that Fuck. night. So at least he was using Fuck the duck for right. meat, for oh nourishment. But uh, it doesn't Practical. take away from the fact that, that he was crazily dancing Kelly. around a beheaded duck on campus. But whatever. Uh, he was judge. criticized heavily by the college's administrators, as would be expected. And he decided to withdraw. Is that like coitus interruptus or what? I, I would. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's my answer. Final answer. Yeah, I yes. accept that. <laughs> so in the 1970s, he took jobs cooking in restaurants, having proven his success with duck. Exactly. He eventually worked his way up to chef in several renowned country clubs and restaurants in Kansas City. He joined a local chef's association and set up training classes for aspiring cooks at a community college. He became more oh, open. He's such a philanthropist whatever philatelist i think <laughs> is the collector of stamps philanthropist is giving ducks away Philanthropic. I <laughs> i'm pretty sure he does not give a flying duck at this point you know <laughs> i am ashamed i'm sorry i don't I'm give a kidding. flying duck either <laughs> there's the title of the fucking episode <laughs> Shit. 
<laughs> I don't give a flying duck. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't. Let me just say. I don't. <laughs> it's been a long day. Oh my god. <laughs> Let me just I'm gonna take a drink. We're fine. Okay. I will too. <laughs> drink. Chug, 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 chug. Oh, we're good. So, during this time, he became more open about his homosexuality, first time ever. And he often used it to shock or disgust people, which I'm pretty sure means he went to church and did it. I don't know. Probably. (laughs) He would make lewd comments about young men and even teenage boys, because that's different, I guess. Which often caused him to... (laughs) brace yourself often caused him to not be invited to functions by friends because i know harsh right because his his behavior was just too embarrassing it was terrible i mean harsh that's just so mean it's cruel (laughs) (laughs) so uh his antique and artifact business grew and he rented space at the flea market because that's where you want to be. That's the if you want to get fleas, that's where you get them. Yep, in uh, Westport, calling his store Bob's Bazaar Bazaar, and that's B A Z A A R B I Z A R R E Bazaar Bazaar. I think it should be inverted, but that's just me. Bob, man. He started making deals with importers and merchants. Merchants in New York, Europe, and South America. And by 1981, his store became a full-time job, but he was only making enough money to stay afloat. So he participated in a barter system with some merchants and rented rooms in his house, often having his boarders help work in the shop. He would scrounge for unwanted or discarded items to sell, once even climbing onto the roof of an old barn to steal the weather vane off the top to sell. So he was like... What's that show where the American Pickers, is that what it's called? The where they go around right. and like, <laughs> where they go around and like find random old shit to like sell. Oh, no, I don't. Um, <clears throat> Sesame Street? No, the the show I'm thinking of is like they find that like they have something old. I, I might be thinking of something different. I'm thinking of like, American Pickers. They bring something old that they own and it gets redone. Do you know? Do you know Not what I'm talking about? Roadshow. What's what, what is it? No, antique but my Roadshow? parents went. And my parents went to the same high school as the twins on Antique Roadshow. Road. Oh show. really? Yeah. The, yeah. Hmm. Okay. That's all I got. Sorry. You know, you, you, earlier you mentioned Canton, Ohio. And, Did I? Uh, Did I? Canton. Canton. Somebody. C-A-N-T-O-N. Okay. I don't okay. That, but... It was yes. a long time ago. Um. Yeah, one of my sergeants, he uh, went to high school with Marilyn Manson. Cool. Yeah. I have been listening to a lot of Manson lately. I can say that. And the other chick. Fuck, what's her name? So did we Did we just determine that Marilyn Manson worked on Antiques Roadshow? <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to go with yes. Okay, so Bob <laughs> had had a few relationships in the 80s, but usually kept them a secret. As he was usually embarrassed by his lovers, who tended to be young and not well-educated. Although, to me, if I'm going to have an affair, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, 
No. He felt intelligently <laughs> No. He felt intelligently superior to most people, lovers included. So basically, he would have sex with young men that weren't the kind of people that he would be caught hanging out with in public, even as just friends. But yeah. he was very public in his community. He helped set up a crime watch program for his part of the Hyde Park Neighborhood Association and has served as the association's liaison to a couple of nearby homes for troubled youths. Oh, he's such a good community guy. He's a good right? He's, he's using a, a dating egg. system. Yeah, it's fine. Whatever. It's fine. Let's make a deal. <laughs> you know, dating game. Whatever. It's fine. He had also assisted local TV outlet Channel 19 with their annual fundraiser auction by purchasing young men. I mean, by pushing other flea market merchants to donate goods to the auction auction to be sold. And then he participated in the televised auction. Stand up guy. Am I right? Yeah. Really? I mean, he's giving back. He's paying it forward. Are those euphemisms? <laughs> Maybe. Why not? Maybe. <laughs> he told neighbors around this time that he, quote, hoped they didn't mind, end quote, seeing young men coming and going in and out of his house. If he you know that- what I mean. Nudge, nudge, elbow, elbow. He explained that he was mentoring runaway teens, acting as a big brother to them, portraying himself as a kind of protector to these wayward boys. And thank God. they I mean, really, Somebody we need to. a stand-up guy like Bob Berdella to help these wayward teens. Not all heroes wear capes, is all I'm saying. Right. I mean, Some know. of them wear mustachioed Mario-looking facial hair. And I'm, and I'm getting in the car when you... <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, neighbors thought that Bob was likable, despite being eccentric. His house was never well kept with fireplace logs strewn around the yard and junk piled on his porch. But he always <laughs> waved and said hi in passing for the 20 years that he lived there. At his shop, Bob was considered impatient and sometimes rude to customers. Because, you know, me, I consider tying someone up to a bed rude. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but he was extra if he felt they didn't know what they were talking about or didn't have genuine interest in the artifact or antique they were discussing. He also didn't seem to like women. If a couple entered his shop, he would always speak to the man completely disregarding the woman. Never a good idea. Yes. What do us women have that's good to say? I mean, we don't have anything to add to the conversation. <laughs> I know, I'm just going to take another shot and leave that one alone. It's fine. <laughs> His friends described him as mild-tempered, non-violent, but a complainer, often taking a quote-unquote me-against-the-world attitude. For example, he was a pro at filing small claims cases against former boarders and businessmen that he felt had cheated him. Someone was always doing him wrong. His friends also knew that he didn't have any long-term relationships but he was into bondage, something that played a huge part in his later crimes. He was also known to be the guy you went to when you wanted injectable prescription drugs, like Thorazine and other sedatives, because that's what you want, I guess. Nobody wants Thorazine. I mean, <laughs> Thorazine shuffle. Yeah, there you go. I love you. 
by the mid-1980s, this is very sad, Bob, Bob had relinquished his position with Neighborhood Association and stopped their meetings. I know. Oh, that's so bad. It's just, oh, I'm let just down. Sad. He became sullen and less talkative and rarely made eye contact or waved hi to his neighbors anymore. You know, my neighbor is <gasps> yes. like that across the street, May, but that's because she's stone blind. But she may also be a serial killer. I have to check. I am clutching my pearls. Is that what you're clutching? Yep. Wow. Or my boobs. That's One or fine. the other. They're like, pro can I clutch your pearls? <laughs> Never mind. You know what? Just go. <laughs> On July 5th of 1984, 19-year-old Jerry Howell disappeared. Jerry was the son of Paul Howell, a collector that ran a booth next to Bob's at the flea market. Jerry hung out with Bob a lot and confided to him that he had started hustling, a.k.a. male prostitution. So on the night that he disappeared, Bob had picked him up from the flea market to give him a ride. Jerry's father, Paul, filed a missing persons report and convinced the police that his son wasn't a runaway, telling them that Bob was the last person he was seen with. He also shared that Bob allegedly helped troubled kids. A uh, heavy air quote on that. But he also, he also gave them drugs and stuck needles in them, quote, for the hell of it, end quote. Everybody needs Bob a hobby. Was <laughs> Bob was interviewed by police and uh, had his lawyer at his side the whole time. He appeared nervous and was sweating, but he told police that he had picked Jerry up from the flea market and had dropped him off at a nearby 7-Eleven, and they hadn't seen him since. I, I have not seen this boy. I don't know where he went. I don't know. I just had him. Yeah. He was there, and then he wasn't there. <laughs> Sorry. Police located a friend of Jerry and Bob's. A man called, named Todd Stoops. I really like it when people have names that are sentences. <laughs> like, it just makes me stupid happy, and I don't know Todd why. Stoops. He does. <laughs> Todd was a married street hustler who had lived with his wife at Bob's house on two separate occasions earlier in the year. He told police that Bob had given Jerry a, quote, hot shot, an injection. And that Jerry could have died from whatever was given to him. Hmm. Stories of Bob injecting young men with drugs and possibly with other young men. We don't know. Just injecting with something. <laughs> These were confirmed during the investigation. Police urged Mr. Stoops, Todd Stoops, Todd, don't stoop. <laughs> they said, don't go back to Bob's. With no direct evidence tying him to Jerry's disappearance, Bob was placed under surveillance. Though that was fruitless as well. It just couldn't catch him. There were no fruits. No fruits to be given. It was fruitless. Well, Jerry's father, Paul, upset the police couldn't find anything on Bob. He did his own investigations. He made flyers. He went to the press. He surveyed Bob's house like on his own. He even went through Bob's trash. In November of 84, on what would be Jerry's 20th birthday, his older brother, Paul Jr., went into the flea market and began punching Bob, shouting at him, quote, I want to find my brother, motherfucker. You know where he is, end quote. Another merchant was able to pull him off and he stormed out, you know, after he pummeled Bob. I mean, good for him. Good call, yeah. I would say. <laughs> yep. 
In September of 1985, Bonnie Ferris reported her husband Walter James Ferris missing and named Bob as the last person to see him. She stated that her husband's friend, Jean, this is too many male names. I know there's a lot. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And they're all boring names. We don't have any like Mufasa's in here or whatever. Yeah. Where's the line? Mufasa. Ooh. I'm saying. <laughs> she stated that her husband's friend, Jean, had told her that Bob used to, quote, get his jollies by injecting Walter. What are the boring fucking names? Anyway, by injecting Walter with Thorazine and other drugs and would watch Walter collapse because that is what Thorazine does. Thorazine is a vertical nap. That's what it is. (laughs) Yep. I don't even know who the he is anymore. Gene. Gene told her that Bob had a secret compartment full of drugs. I want that. I mean, kind of. Secret compartment full of drugs? I would start with just a secret compartment, but if there were drugs in it, I would not complain. Woohoo! <laughs> Once again, police showed up at Bob's to talk to him, and he invited them in. So Bob told the police that Walter had stayed with them two weeks prior, but after three days, he kicked him out because he was stealing from him, and he hadn't seen Walter since. Come on, guys. He was stealing from him intravenously. Exactly. He was stealing from me. I had to let him go. He's out. I had the drugs in the syringe. He somehow sucked them out of the syringe into his veins. Exactly. (laughs) He denied the drug injection stories. He's like, that's bullshit. He said that he he didn't like, quote unquote, needle drugs. That should be, I mean, there's his innocence right there. I don't like needle drugs. Dope in needle drugs. Let him go. Yeah. So, uh, detectives questioned Bob about stories they had heard that he allegedly enjoyed chaining men to his basement wall and sexually torturing them. So he denied this as well and even showed them the basement. They asked if they could. Yeah, it's a basement. Hello. They asked if they could look around his upstairs rooms, and Bob asked if that was necessary. And then declined, saying, well, they weren't too clean. So, you guys can't look at them right now. They're kind of dirty. I know you're police investigating a missing person. But my rooms are dirty for you. So, no. So, needless to say, police were suspicious of Bob and continued to drive by his house and the flea market and would randomly stop in at his booth to talk with him. But no evidence was found related to Walter's disappearance. But they did find some lovely salt and pepper shakers. Hmm. Wonderful. That's fantastic. <laughs> the investigation continues. So jumping back into the investigation at Bob's house. The next day, Sunday, April 3rd, Easter Sunday. They had to take their time and find all the fucking eggs first because you know how it is. That's right. But then investigators were each assigned their own room in the house to search because Easter eggs. But there was also <laughs> a lot of clutter that could be covering up potential evidence. And it's pretty bad was, when investigators have like their own specific room. Here's your grid, right? Here's your, grid. Here's your, here's your photo. Mm-hmm. Here's your Polaroid of your own. And here's your grid. Go. Here's your red string too. We don't know what you should do with it, but go. Yes, red string. Awesome. 
<laughs> so in the backyard also, there was an area about four feet by six feet that wasn't as grassy as the rest of the yard and neighbors mocked him. Hmm. It was lined by wooden planks, which may be why it wasn't as grassy as the rest of the yard, you know? <laughs> so a backhoe, which is not remotely as dirty as it sounds, let me just say. <laughs> it was brought in and started digging. It didn't take long to find a decaying human head under 16 inches of dirt. Hmm. But only a head was found. No body. News of the head, which is like news of the weird, right? News of the <laughs> head got leaked to the media, and reporters and cameramen began flocking to the Charlotte Street home. Both the mother and the wife of Walter Ferris called police, inquiring about the identity of the skull, and voraciously reminding them of Walter's disappearance and their belief that Walt Bob was involved. And cops were like, oh, we knew that. We totally knew that. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we kind of had this sneaking suspicion. We just didn't so. have any proof. Mm -hmm. The next day, Bob headed to the courthouse for his arraignment. But Paul Howell Sr., the father of missing Jerry Howell, headed to the courthouse too, armed with a thirty-eight caliber pistol. Okay, now saw... I'm not in favor, but I'm kind of in favor. <laughs> Just a little bit. I, I kind of am. When he saw the metal detectors, he went back to his car and stashed his gun, knowing he wouldn't be able to get it inside without being caught. But he wanted blood. He returned to the courthouse and entered the courtroom where Bob was sitting handcuffed to another defendant. And Paul charged, jumping over the jury railing that was in front of Bob and began pummeling him. Cool. Three officers jumped onto him and he tried to grab one of their guns. They also were cool. they were able to get him handcuffed before he could snatch it and they ended up leading him out of the courtroom and amazingly no charges were filed which people were cheering him the fuck awesome. on. <laughs> Bob must not have been hurt too bad or the judge just didn't care because the arraignment continued. His bond was set at $500,000 and Bob requested protective custody. Okay, everything about that was amazing. Yes, I just absolutely. Have to say, I am not <laughs> pro-gun myself. Billy and I know this. We've had to talk about this. I am not pro-gun. But <laughs> for that particular anecdote, fucking that's amazing. I mean, I am on board. <laughs> anyway, so while this went down in the courtroom, Bob's Bob, Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to get another drink. Bob's backyard was still being excavated. Let me try the whole thing again. You don't have to cut okay. it out. I'm just going to try okay. to see what I, I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> while, while this went down in the courtroom, if you know what I mean, uh -huh. Bob's backyard was still being excavated. And I think you do. You know what's really fun? Teach your kids at this age, by the way, the if you know what I mean. And I think you do. And that if you add those to the end of any sentence ever, you can make a 14-year-old boy cry. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm going to go to your concert, if you know what I mean. Uh -huh. you, you, know, you did a really yep. great job. And I think you do. Anyway, I just I had practice. I thought I would share that. So, while his backyard is being excavated, some vertebrae were found near where the skull was buried. But no other human remains were found. Strangely, though, 
three jars were dug up near the same area of the yard. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Hmm. One contained bird feathers. Hmm. I mean, because, you know, murder birds. Murder birds. There it is. Murder birds. I love that word. Especially mm-hmm. when you say it. That's amazing. One contained a bird's <laughs> skeleton. And the third contained a dark liquid, which is not unlike what I'm drinking. So that's fine. It's good. I'm Aww. not drinking that. It's different. Some would later speculate, based on these jars, jars and other strange findings, that Bob was a Satanist. Which, I fucking live in Salem. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Satanists are the sweetest people. They really are. Bob would later vehemently deny ever being a Satanist or burying any of these jars, which makes this all even weirder. It's just fuckity. I I don't whatever. Yeah, so if he didn't bury these things, then who did and why? The murder birds. (laughs) It was a funeral ceremony and it was the murder birds. This is how it is. It has to be. (laughs) In the basement, luminol was used after all of the clutter was cleared out. And it lit up a round shape in one corner with no white marks present, suggesting a prior pool of blood. Two large plastic trash barrels that Bob stored in a shed were brought down to the dark basement for luminol testing, and the insides lit up as well. A chainsaw was found with a dark substance dried on it in a preliminary... That kind, the early kind. Yes, the preliminary... That's what I meant to say. Preliminary tests (laughs) of the substance was presumptive for blood. Luminol also lit up in multiple locations throughout the house. During the following days, a 24-year-old man named Freddie Kellogg, which I mean, at least it's Freddie and not Fred, so it's a better name. (laughs) He was located after his name was found on items all throughout Bob's house. He told police that he had been Bob's lover. Bob is not a good sex name. (laughs) It's just not. It's not a good name to call it. Anyway, there was no bondage involved. For sure. He said Bob picked up tricks and injected them with drugs before having sex. He said he had been injected once and became paralyzed. He was awake but couldn't move, which is kind of what paralyzed means. Mm -hmm. His memory of what happened after the injection was too hazy to really recall. He helped police by identifying several of the men seen in the Polaroids taken from Bob's house. Of course, their names were all probably like Joe and John and Paul and Steve and whatever sort of very middle American they could be. But it's okay. Yeah. I mean, this was Kansas City. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) No Mufasa. (laughs) Both of the skulls were found to be real human skulls as opposed to other artifact skulls Bob had collected in his house and his shop, as well as the vertebrae that were found. The vertebrae showed knife wounds and saw marks that weren't consistent with a chainsaw, but they were consistent with the seven and one fourth inch blades found on two electric power saws in Bob's house. The skull from the closet was identified through dental records as being a man named Robert Sheldon, who had gone missing in April of 1985 and the skull from the yard was identified as a man named Larry Pearson who had gone missing 10 months earlier. The names are not getting better. No, they're not. Robert and Larry. Robert and and Paul and Joe and Steve and whatever. (laughs) Anyway, so we're going to have some names in this paragraph, and I'm going to say them. 
I'm going to say them before I take a drink. So, <laughs> go the for it. Drugs. Billy, you read this one. I don't read. I'm read to. <laughs> All right. You sing happy birthday while I read this one. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we the fucked the whole thing up. It's okay. <laughs> you fucked it up. I did good. I was amazing. No, you did great. You did great. Amazing. Amazing. Anyway, liquid drugs found in the house were determined to be medications that Bob was able to get from a vet or veterinary medical supplier for his use on dogs, like you do. Like chows. I don't want to say these words. It included acepromazine, chlorpromazine, and ketamine. Sounds pretty good. I'm saying it fast. Also known (laughs) as promace is an animal tranquilizer generally used on dogs to shut them the fuck up before exams or car trips. <laughs> Chlorpromazine, which is the generic for Thorazine, is used commonly as a tranquilizer for human mental health patients. Guess how I know? <laughs> no, I know by observation I've actually never done the Thorazine shuffle myself, but it's a thing. <laughs> Vertical nap. But it is also sometimes used as a pre-anesthesia sedative for animals. And ketamine is an anesthetic usually used on animals, sometimes in combination with the other things. And <laughs> it is a derivative of PCP. So ketamine is also seen as a club drug. True. On April 12th, a search warrant was executed, and that allowed investigators to take hair samples from Bob and photograph a naked and posed Bob. Ooh. I want to see the poses. Talk to me about Bob. (laughs) They wanted to pose pose Bob in the same positions as seen in the photos and take pictures from the same angle the photographer took them. By doing this, they hoped to match up body features that would be specific to Bob, thereby proving that he took the Polaroids while committing the crimes. Wouldn't they make him... Hey, anyway, never mind. No, you know what? No, I'm not going to ask that question. Well, I'm, custody, wow, wow. I'm saying, baby. <laughs> brown, ch- brown chicken, brown cow. It's me. I'm Mario. <laughs> like a Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was doing good. <sighs> you are the sexiest thing. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to keep drinking. We're good. While in custody, Bob was given an MMPI or Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory, by me, basically. (laughs) Except that this person wrote shit weirdly. Anyway, so this guy wrote that Bob, quote, clearly demonstrates three of five specific predictors or subsequent of, sorry, specific predictors of subsequent violent or dangerous behaviors. Meaning, should happen to him... That later would indicate bad stuff. Yeah. The shit happening to him being parental violence, injury, and lack of adequate protection, and relatively early parental loss. So this is what pisses me off about other psychologists, guys, is that you don't have to give tests to find out, oh, your parent died before you were ready for your parent to die? Maybe that's going to fuck you up. What do you say? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, you don't need an MMPI for that. My dissertation was about pointing out that the MMPI is kind of full of shit. Sorry, guys. Sorry. Not sorry. But whatever. (laughs) Courts like to see this stuff, so that's what we get. 
same doctor went on to say that quote this pattern is typical oh, sorry let me get let me get fancier this pattern is typical or classic for individuals who are not antisocial and not psychotic but who develop a pattern in adulthood which leads to well encapsulated or specific serial assault with a very narrowly defined class of victims in other words shithead developed habits and he had a specific type Right, mm-hmm. like some guys like brunettes and some guys like blondes. He liked very young gay or bisexual men who had worked as prostitutes and used injectable injectable drugs. Like this was his scene. Rock on. Mm-hmm. Same doctor whom I like vehemently dislike went on <laughs> to say, "Quote." Verdella's personality organization is one in which hostility or anger is internally directed or directed itself. Which, what the fuck? Sorry, they're the same fucking thing. Yep. If it's internally directed, it is also directed itself. Hmm. His general personality organization is that of an individual who handles emotional pain or anger in a self-destructive or self-punitive fashion. I'll come back. Well, he's not... (laughs) clearly not psychotic or schizophrenic such individuals may develop well encapsulated or highly specific areas in which aggressive behavior occurs such as this house these are individuals who are not generally delusional but operate in a specific area as if delusional thought process were present but translated into actions which were not well rationalized or clearly understood okay let me let me unpack that because that doesn't make any sense to me motherfucking (laughs) bullshit okay the the mmpi okay cannot tell you about what somebody is about to do it only tells you about what they are in the moment and so what it can tell you is that this guy hates himself but he can't admit that he hates himself because he's kind of a narcissistic pain in the ass and so he kind of literally becomes a narcissist who is a pain in other people's ass hmm right and that that's how he rolls is he just he can't admit his degree of self-hatred so he takes it out on other people because he's kind of a pathetic chunk i see and that he's not delusional, he's not psychotic, which you can tell without giving the... The MMPI is 567 yes-no questions. It takes fucking forever, and it's boring as shit. Wow. Like, to watch somebody take it, they're just filling in little bubbles. It's like a Scantron sheet from back in the day, except less exciting than that, because it's just yes-no, and it's just... And the 500 questions, fuck me. And so, you know, you could just ask the guy... Like, hey, dude, how's your self-esteem? Not good? Okay, next question. Like, you don't need 567 (laughs) questions to get to that. Yeah. Whatever. So the moral is, the bottom line is, he's fuckity. But he's not so fuckity as to call him legally insane. Like, he knows right from wrong. He knew to try and hide his actions from the police. And he knows, like, who his lawyer is and, you know, not to jump up and bite the judge on the face or whatever, like you do. So, so he's an asshole. He's an asshole, but he's not crazy. <laughs> like, not legally crazy. Like, you don't, nobody's going to pretend like, hey, dude, serial killer, babysit my kids. You know, <laughs> well, okay, I'm not. I don't, maybe That's not are, who I, you ask? I don't, I just don't screen them. That's the whole thing. I don't ask at all. Let everybody in. I mean, seriously. (laughs) 
but that he's he's okay so he this guy is fuckity but he's not legally insane like he knows the difference between right and wrong and so lock the fucker up like that's the bottom line that's what this psychologist is saying this guy is a dick lock him up yes okay i get it i'm learning see (laughs) sorry to hear that i'm gonna take another drink (laughs) well prosecutors eventually accepted bob's plea knowing that he was still facing the nine felonies for Chris Bryson, and they still had Robert Sheldon's skull to build a case around, which could bring an eventual death sentence for his murder. Bob took the stand on August 5th to admit to the murder of Larry Pearson. He stated he put a plastic bag over his head, secured it with rope, and allowed Larry to slowly suffocate. He made no remarks as to why he did it or what he did with the body. He received an automatic life sentence. Is that different from a manual life sentence? From like, what? Do you, do you drive stick? This is not a sexy question, <laughs> although I could. <laughs> I know yeah. how. I've done it before in the past. You have two kids. You do. You have two children. So I guess you do. Never mind. Say no more. No <laughs> inkling. My or first car was actually a stick. Believe it or not. That's what I drive right now. <laughs> My car is a stick. You know what I mean? I don't ever want to go back. He's not even in the room. He went to get me a drink. That's fine. Good. That's more useful probably right now. (laughs) Fuck me. Anyway, okay. So Bob's lawyers and the prosecution ended up coming to a plea deal on the nine felony charges related to Chris Bryson. Bob would plead guilty and take a life sentence if Bryson agreed not to sue him in the future and prosecutors would drop a civil suit that they had filed to seize Bob's house. Because, you know, when I'm in prison, I give a shit about my house. Yeah. (laughs) Bob had tried to deed it to his mom. Aww. Aww. And the prosecution was concerned about preservation of crime scenes and evidence because fucking skulls in the backyard, man. Yeah, and like hoarders and shit. (laughs) And shit, yes. So another life sentence was added for this guilty plea. Because if you got to collect something, I don't know. There's salt and pepper shakers, there's life sentences. It's cool. Yep. Fake skulls, real skulls, who knows? (laughs) Jars full of feathers. It's all good. Murder birds. Uh huh. But then on <laughs> September 2nd, Bob was indicted by grand jury for first degree murder of Robert Sheldon. Bob pleaded not guilty on September 13th because let's continue this motherfucking fiasco, shall yeah. we? Let's just stretch it out as long as we can. If you know what I mean. <laughs> and I think you do. I think I do. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Okay, go. On October 25th, Geraldo Rivera's another fabulously mustachioed man. Geraldo Rivera's devil worship exposing Satan's underground. Satanic panic. Woohoo. Sorry. (laughs) And 10 minutes of the show were devoted to Bob's obviously satanic crimes. It was full of false information. Fake news. I just had to throw Donald Trump there. (laughs) Gross. Okay, you're less sexy now. Could you say something sexier, please? I'm I'm sorry. Is that sexy? Something like, I don't know, gore? Gore. Oh, God, I love you. Okay, go. (laughs) 
And uh, it showed Chris Bryson's face on screen, even though Bryson only agreed to participate if his face was hidden and they used an alias. But they did call him Jay. So there's that. I mean, they figured six of one, half dozen of the other. We'll show his face, but call him Jay. It'll be all right. It's fine. His mother doesn't watch. Basically, the whole segment was full of claims with no actual corroboration. And I actually watched this and it is just full of hype and like no truth whatsoever. Well, because motherfucking satanic panic. Anyway, <laughs> that's exactly what kind, by the way, exactly that kind. So mm-hmm. Bob began planning a huge auction to sell all of his household household items let's try that again shall we we shall (laughs) okay i don't care if you edit this or not like i have (laughs) bob i can say that part (laughs) she's hey you're off to a good start you have no (laughs) idea how bad chicago is gonna be like it's bad it's bad i am so excited i have an inkling (laughs) i am so excited i cannot wait is it, am I, do I have affirmative consent right now to touch your hair? Can I do that? Sure. Awesome. Woo-hoo, it's on tape. Whatever. <laughs> Bob began planning a huge auction to sell all of his household items and merchandise to pay for his lawyers. And Bob being Bob, he micromanaged the whole process. It was to be held. No, you don't say. Micromachines. <laughs> yeah. it was to be held over two whole weekends in november due to the immense number of items he demanded that it be videotaped so he could watch it and make sure he wasn't swindled of course because that's what everyone is out to do especially once you're in jail i mean poor bob Mm -hmm. (laughs) items just didn't sell as high as he thought they would but on the first day alone he made over sixty thousand dollars which in today's money is like a hundred and twenty-five billion thousand, whatever. Same. A local millionaire businessman spent fifteen thousand dollars alone on the second day, and the last day of the auction was canceled after the same millionaire purchased every item left on day three because he was fucked the fuck up. <laughs> God damn. A month later, that same guy purchased Bob's house on Charlotte Street for an undisclosed amount. Yeah, this guy must have been pretty fucked up because he wanted everything that Bob had. <laughs> well, I mean, so do I, in a way. No, I don't. I don't. I don't. <laughs> well, Bob paid the auctioneers and lawyers with the proceeds and was left with about $60,000. He told a reverend that had been visiting him that he wanted to set up a trust fund for the families of his victims and for his mother, but he didn't say exactly how many victims there were. Before that could be arranged, Chris Bryson slapped a lawsuit against Bob for $1.5 million, seeking damages for mental and physical injuries. Chris's lawyers claimed that he... Polaroids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It got my bad side. <laughs> so... Chris's lawyers claimed that he didn't understand the waiver about not suing when he signed it. The word not. Right. (laughs) And although Chris did not want to be identified on Geraldo special, he started to do TV interviews using his face and actual name and signed a book deal. So 
He was basically cashing in. I mean, I don't judge. I, no I, I would here. too. Just, no, I, but not after signing well. an agreement to not sue. <laughs> so a plea deal was eventually arranged, allowing Bob to confess in detail to all of the murders with life sentences, taking the death penalty off the table. You wonder what that looks like? Like, hmm. can you walk up to a table and be like, that there, that's the death penalty. Yep, I'm going to just tap it off the table. That's gross. <laughs> I don't want to make sure the kids flick it. it up. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's confession started in court on December 13th and lasted three days. He Which is Bob today! Ah, that's sweet. Aww. Your birthday! Yay! Aww. He methodically went through each murder. Reference photos taken from referencing photos taken from his home to describe what was happening to the victims, which they probably knew already, the victims anyway, and the order in which things occurred. He first admitted to killing 19-year-old Jerry Howell in early July 1984. He took Jerry captive and began drugging him on July 5th, the night he picked him up for a ride. He sodomized and tortured him that night, taking pictures as he did so. I mean, souvenirs, right? Right. That's what you do. No, it's not what I do at all. <laughs> oh, come on, Kate. It's what Bob do. It's what Bob do. That is, that is how the Bob do. <laughs> After being drugged, the second day he was at my house. In the process of changing and tightening his gag, along with re-drugging him for the evening, because prisoners are a lot of fucking work, man. <laughs> he apparently asphyxiated from body fluids that he may have brought up, or he was not able to get on enough air. End quote. Yes, we don't that's know. That's just what happened. I mean, like you do. I've been in kindergarten classes before with the same fucking... Never mind. <clears throat> Jerry died <laughs> July 6, 1984. Bob next admitted to killing Robert Sheldon, whose skull had been found in the closet, you know, with the envelopes full of teeth. And <laughs> he had tried the nice coats, you know, like where do you hang them up? Yeah. <laughs> he had tried to take him captive on April 10th of 1985, but the plan fell through. He then carried it out two days later on the 12th, again drugging, sodomizing, and torturing him. He put caulk in Robert's ears I to try disagree. to deafen him. No. <laughs> and put needles under his fingernails and shocked him with the transformer. He said Robert was kept for three or four days when someone showed up at the house and Bob panicked, fearing Robert would yell out or be found. He put a trash bag over Robert's head and tied it, allowing him to suffocate. The third victim was a man named Mark Wallace, who he took captive on June 22nd of 1985. Quote, I drugged him and further drugged him to make him captive. He, on the second day that he was in my house, basically died the same way as Howell. When I had put a new gag in and re-drugged him, he apparently asphyxiated. Ba, ba, ba. That thing. He did the thing where he stopped breathing. That thing. Dumbass. That word is always my bane when I'm drinking. Asphyxiated. 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 <laughs> End quote. Go. He fixed the ass. Ass. 
Exactly. <laughs> there we go. I, we learned he something. quit breathing. There you go. Dumbass. <laughs> Bob's. No, and it's terrible. It's terrible. It is. I'm drunk. It's okay. It is horrible. <laughs> That's the it's only horrible. way we can get through this is to laugh. It's is so fucking horrible. Jesus Christ. I'm going to take another shot. We're good. <laughs> it's fine. Bob's fourth victim was Walter James Ferris. James. Plural. James. Not James <laughs> Gum. <laughs> no. Bob's fourth victim was Walter James Ferris, the second man that disappeared after last being seen with Bob, and who Bob had said he had kicked out for stealing from him. He took him captive on December, no, September 26th, 1985. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, and stated he died the same way as Powell and Wallace the next day. Uncreative, right? I'm saying. Sure, go with it. <laughs> His fifth victim was Todd Stoops, the man with this sentence for a name. <laughs> the man <laughs> the police have warned. <laughs> I mean, it is, though, right? Todd Stoops. Words. Todd Stoops. What else is he going to do? He stoops. He doesn't have very good posture. I'm sorry, Todd. <laughs> I'm well beyond the drunken point to which I care about being an asshole, and I'm just an asshole. Inebriated. Owning it. (laughs) Shit-faced. Yes. (laughs) It's fine. That's what we do here. (laughs) Well, it's apparently not what I do, but I have to... I'm practicing for Chicago. All right. And so I'm practicing. I'm building my beer muscles or fireball muscles or whatever. But you're going to have to hold me up by the end, I'm telling you. But I can touch your hair, so it's okay. All right. I'm not okay. <laughs> anyway, I think you're okay. I'm sexy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know what my problem is right now. His fifth victim was Todd Stoops, the man the police had warned not to return to Bob's house after speaking with him. And he didn't he, heed the warning. No, he clearly his parents were still alive because he was like, fuck you, dad. I'm not going to listen. Mm-hmm. So Bob took Todd Stoops captive on June 17th, 1986, and held him for two weeks. No. Wow. Drugging, torturing, and raping him the entire time. That's so, awful. There's a quote here. Brace yourselves or skip ahead for as long as it takes for me to slur my way through it. Quote, Todd died because at one point I this fucked. Jesus, I'm going to have to start over already. Todd died. <laughs> I'm glad you got this paragraph. <laughs> Todd, <laughs> this is not funny. What you talking about, Willis? Todd. <laughs> This isn't funny. This is awful. This is why we're laughing. It's because it's not at all. Sucks, and I want to die. Todd died because at one point I fist fucked him, rupturing the anal wall, and between the loss of blood and infections that set in, he died of not getting proper treatment. Todd died. (laughs) I mean, I was almost there myself after my third childbirth, and we're not going to go into that right now. But I'm saying I feel for I feel for Todd, who died yes. on July first, nineteen eighty six. That is a horrible way to die. 
But I got through the motherfucking quote. Wow. End quote. Thank you. <laughs> Woo. Well. We have woozy medicine well, right now. I'm so excited. Yes. There is no other response you can give to that other than woo. <laughs> I well, think Bob's it's take final... another drink. I think that's how yeah, much worse does this sure. get? I'm scanning ahead. Bottoms up. Oh Jesus Christ! He tried to bite my penis. Please drink something right now, and I will too. Because my God, <laughs> I did. <laughs> okay, we're we're good. Go. Bob's final confession was actually the first killing he admitted to, that of Larry Pearson, whose skull and vertebrae were buried in the yard. He finally shared the details of Larry's captivity and death which are horrendous. He took him captive on June 23rd, 1987, and decided that due to Larry's large stature, that he should be kept in the basement as he would be too heavy to drag upstairs when drugged. Quote, Larry Pearson had been staying at my house the summer of 87, and after a couple of weeks, I then drugged his food one night, tied him up, kept him in the basement for a week, and then with his cooperation, moved him up to the second floor where he stayed with me. On the 28th, he moved Larry upstairs, saying Larry was being cooperative with Bob's demands by this time. He connected spatulas to the electrical wires and used them like defibrillator paddles on Larry's body. Oh, Jesus Christ. Sorry. Go. Yeah. It's not a fucking AED, dude. <laughs> so uh, it is. Yeah. Uh. He used them like defibrillator paddles, especially on his eyes, trying to blind him. He injected Drano into his throat to try to destroy his voice box so he wouldn't be able to speak, so he couldn't yell for help. He tied his wrists with piano wires and beat his hands with a metal pipe to break them, making it more difficult for Larry to fight or potentially escape. Wow. Woo! Point for creativity? Question mark? Sure. No, I don't like Bob. I don't like Bob anymore. He's I don't icky. either. Nope. He's icky. Bob needs Bad Mario. Bad Mario. <laughs> <laughs> like a Nintendo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my god. Bob shithead. Stated mm -hmm. that Larry became so compliant. That after July 9th, he didn't need to torture him anymore. Aww. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> go, Larry, go. Mm -hmm. He kept a dog collar around Larry's neck and led him around with a leash, only binding him when he had to leave the house. Bob stated Larry, quote, was fully... <laughs> Erica, you're mean. <laughs> I'm reading ahead and my brain's like, stop! And my mouth's like, nope. So, Bob stated yep. Larry, quote, was fully cooperative up until the evening of August the 5th, 1987. While performing oral sex on me, he tried to bite my penis, end quote. I can't yeah, I think would too. why. <laughs> I mean, fuck, I chew by that point. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I would not try to bite the penis. Yeah, I would bite you the know, penis. There, there is no try. There is only do. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's where the original quote came from in Star Wars. Just saying. Mm -hmm. Bob sure. stated 
<laughs> Bob stated the reason Larry did so was because Bob was looking at a mail catalog. I don't know what that is. Don't tell me. At the time. And that Larry became jealous. I'm of course. Bob. Yeah. So Bob <laughs> tied Larry down and went to the hospital. Poor baby. Except the injury was so severe that doctors told him he would need surgery and admittance to the hospital for a few days for observation. We're going to observe as your penis rots and falls off. That would be amazing. I am on board with that. I don't like Bob. So, like, somehow, ooh, that shit looks bad. Yeah, bad. Cool. <laughs> He somehow talked the hospital staff into letting him return to his home on the pretense of, I gotta get some of my shit and my poor dogs, my mean fucking chows need... The chow dog- had puppies. I gotta take care of shit. They, the chows need dog chow, right? That's how it works? I don't know. So right. they let him take a cab home and while well, the driver waited outside and he wasn't really sure what would happen to Larry if he left him tied up in the house for a few days. So, you know, Bob, being a practical Midwestern kind of guy, killed him. Yep. Quote, and I killed him by putting a trash bag over his head and securing it so he would suffocate, end quote. That would do it. Since he was there, you know, while he's in the neighborhood, Bob took pictures of Larry as he died before getting him back in the cab and returning to the hospital for penis (laughs) surgery. (laughs) I mean... I almost got through the whole fucking Take advantage of the situation. You gotta take pictures when you can. While you're in the Get in where you fit in. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Oh, fuck me. Okay. Let me take these snapshots and then I'll go back to the hospital and they can fix my penis. Say cheese. (laughs) Like you do. (laughs) I mean, he filed a police report against Larry for the supposed assault as an alibi as to why Larry wouldn't be seen around, expecting people would think he got out of town to avoid being arrested for bobbing for biting Bob's penis off. Like you do? Sure. Okay, keep going. Erica, go. I am... Okay, that last shot was the thing. You know, did you ever play Lemmings? And what about Lemmings? Did you play Lemmings? No. In the 90s? Oh, honey. It's a game. that You know, computer game. And it's, as you might guess, Lemmings. And they just walk mindlessly. And if when they went over cliff, the cliff, inevitably, they made this noise that was like, oh no! And that's what my brain just did. you had a lemmings moment it did my brain just went over the cliff and went oh shit like oh no we're done the last shot man you win i'm gonna keep practicing for chicago but you win right now i okay okay, erica go we're we're near the end here (sighs) well now you're you're probably wondering what bob did with all of the bodies i haven't thought he admitted that he (laughs) he admitted that he had dismembered all of them he strung jerry howell up by his feet in the basement draining his blood before dismembering him most of the others he dismembered in an upstairs bathtub draining their blood down the drain first he put robert sheldon's head in the freezer for a few days then skinned it and buried it in the backyard though he said he didn't really know why he had done that And with Larry, Bob had been in the hospital for two days before being able to return home to Larry's corpse, so it was probably getting pretty ripe. 
He came home with a catheter and was still in pain. Jesus Christ. Right so, like a fucking cantaloupe. <laughs> this is like a dark comedy right off the bat. Oh, I got oh, this body that's decaying in the what upstairs. And I got this catheter. I'm in pain. Oh, so what do I do? <laughs> I hate that. You tell so, me. So uh, it though. it actually took him two days to just completely dismember the body. He also bagged Larry's head, which still had a gag around the mouth and some vertebrae still attached, and put it in the freezer, keeping it there for a week or two. And then he dug up Sheldon's skull and put Larry's head in the same hole, so he just swapped them out. He brought Sheldon's skull inside and used pliers to remove the teeth, which he considerately kept in nearby envelopes, as we have said before. The dismembered body parts were put in multiple trash bags and large dog food bags, which were then put in with the weekly trash bags to be picked up. He would also watch when the garbage men would pick up the trash just to make sure none of the body parts were noticed. All the victims' remains were believed to have been taken to various dumps and were never recovered outside of the two skulls. On Monday, December 19th, Bob was sentenced to life without parole for the first-degree murder of Robert Sheldon and four life sentences for the second-degree murders of Jerry Howell, Mark Wallace, Walter James Ferris, and my buddy Todd Stoops. He was sent to a maximum... Oh, no, he was not. He was sent to... (laughs) (laughs) I tried. He was maximum (laughs) that thing he was sent to a big ass security penitentiary in Jefferson City (laughs) (laughs) and then he did interviews you got six months to practice (laughs) (laughs) I am I need so much practice I am not (laughs) you guys my god oh my god bring a big fucking spatula to get me off the floor because we're gonna do karaoke and then you're gonna be like she needs to get back in the I swear I'm not drunk all the time I just only drink rum so I know my only I only that I can when I'm thinking about Erica (laughs) that is my that is my thing that is my bar right there Fine, I can be fine. your spirit animal, Kate. Oh my god, I want to be Erica when I grow up. <laughs> Rodella was sent to a maximum security penitentiary in Jefferson City. He began to do interviews and sent statements to the media because he's a fucking moron. Bob, <laughs> being a dick, blamed the cops for not catching him sooner and the media for making him seem inhuman because you know the media was gentler to him or the cops were smarter than he totally would not have been a motherfucking serial killer (laughs) fake news (laughs) (laughs) yeah so they didn't really have to stretch it too far to make him seem like a guy that they couldn't really relate to kind of a dick kind of a cunt you know one of those words oh no he was a total cunt i mean there's no we're allowed to say that word because we're women and he was he totally was yeah he was a total cunt in 1992 in letters to the reverend visit with him he claimed prison officials were preventing him from receiving his heart medications 
He died later that year of a heart attack on October 8th after complaining of chest pain and being sent to the hospital. He was 43 years old. And that's the very fucked up case of serial killer Bobardella, the Kansas City Butcher. Woo! Woo! <laughs> that's the best I got for woo. My God. Yeah. Woo! I don't like him. I don't like him. He's, He's a fuckhead. Yeah. Just I mean uh, uh. I, he's a guy who took the whole homophobia of the 1980s totally to his advantage because mm-hmm. people didn't want to think about that sort of thing and so he got away with shit that he shouldn't have gotten away with mm-hmm. because you know well, oh, I mean, nobody's going to talk about gay stuff my god and he was already in like their scope you know, with two previous missing persons cases, and he just didn't have the evidence for him, but he was already on their radar, and they just couldn't quite find that little piece to connect him. And my thought is, if he's on your fucking radar, then pay attention to your fucking radar. I mean, air on the side <laughs> yeah. of him suing the police station for, you know, the police department yeah. for whatever he might sue for. Go ahead and lock him up. Like, I'm okay with imprisoning. Like, okay, backing up. I don't want to imprison somebody for life because of something they didn't do or something we don't have solid proof that they did. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. err on the side of not guilty for those things. But when it comes to jail, when it comes to, I'm going to hang on to you for a couple minutes while I look through your closets, fucking hang on to the dude. Like, I don't yeah. care about due process in those early days. I don't know. I, I, I accept my yeah. ass out of that one. I agree. I mean, and I understand that. And in the same scheme of things, it's like, if he was getting rid of the bodies, sending him to the dumps, they wouldn't have really had any evidence because these guys were long gone. And the only way that they caught him in all of these was by his own admittance. So it's kind of a tough one because he's so fucked up and, you know, he was already being questioned about these two other guys, but they didn't really have anything to really nail him on. He wasn't that fucked up, though, legally. And that's the, you know... I go on this rant on a regular basis on my show, but also just in life. And, you know, my six-year-old looks at me like, mom, shut up. But (laughs) that there's a big difference between like, you could be crazy, but you're not legally insane. And so Mm -hmm. I think you're effectively crazy if you feel the need to inject someone else's eyeballs with Drano. Like, I'm going to put that out there. I'm going to kink shame right there. That if you, <laughs> guiltlessly, if you feel the need to inject another human being's eyeballs with household, you know, Q-tip saturated, Andrino and similar, I'm a kink shame. That's bad. Don't do it. But you know that's bad. Like, you're hiding it. And so that's the difference. Is like, you got to be crazy in a certain degree, but you're not legally insane. Legally insane, the bar is so low. It's so easy to be crazy as a shithouse rat. But not legally insane. Because legally insane means you don't know the difference between right and wrong. 
You don't know how to talk to your lawyer or how who the judge is. Like, what is this person in the big black dress? Like, what are they doing? I don't know. You know, you know not to hop up on your table and take a shit mm-hmm. on the defense table in the middle of trials. Like, I want to see what? that happen. <laughs> okay, you have kinks that I have not even stepped toward yet. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I just want to see it for the shits and giggles. <laughs> As it were, if you know what I mean. And I think you do. Oh my god. I do. Yeah, I think so. So but what I'm saying is like if you know the basics in that bar is really low, then you're legally saying, shut the fuck up. You're not crazy. Like I don't care about the MMPI. You know, I don't care about that mm-hmm. kind of testing. Like that stuff doesn't matter. What matters is, do you know right from wrong? You do. Would you have done this in front of a cop? No. In fact, this guy would have lied. And so, fuck him sideways. He can go straight to hell. Mm-hmm. And he probably did. I don't know. Maybe. So I don't like him, Erica. He's icky. Hold me. He's very icky. You can touch my hair in July. <laughs> If that makes you feel any better. That will be my new Facebook photo. Will be of Kate massaging my hair. (laughs) I didn't go so that. Oh, now I get to massage. That's even better. I wish you could start with like touching or stroking. Jesus Christ. Billy has run from the hills by now. That's okay. Like that's probably the right idea. I love you. I love you too. And it has been great having you on here. And I'm sure you'll share this with your thousands of listeners because you've got like a million downloads now because you're just blowing us out of the water. Is that what the kids call it these days? Sure, blowing us out of the water. Sure, if you know what I mean. And if you, you know do. what I mean, and, and I think I you do. do. Exactly. See ya. <laughs> it's been yeah. wonderful actually being able to actually get this done because I know we've been pushing it off and pushing it off and having issues, and we're really sorry about that. That's why our whole last episode. <laughs> It's titled, We're Sorry, Kate. <laughs> it's only sorry if you intended that way. Like, if you set out to fuck me over, then that's one thing. But if it's like, look, I'm being fucked by Comcast, well, then Comcast is bad. It's bad. It's what it is. But you seem to put up with me tonight, so we're good. All right. Yeah, we're we're hanging in there. My birthday day is coming to a close. Almost. This episode is coming to a close. I can't count that high, but thank you guys I'm going to so go much. to sleep somewhat drunk and awesome. loving every minute of it. <laughs> so, yeah, it was super fun. I'm still, I'm not making it up just for the show. Like, I'm wicked fangirling, and I'm so excited about July. It's going <laughs> to be stupid. I, I'm going to be there for, like, a week, give or take. Um because a couple of people Sinead is coming over Mendrea is coming over from uh-huh. Ireland and yeah Mina is coming over from Finland she does true crime Finland as it were awesome. and, um, so I'm gonna try and come out when they do so I'll probably be out for close to a week plus or minus but Emily is joining me for the weekend of the actual conference um, mostly so that she can drag my ass back to the Airbnb or wherever we end up staying <laughs> 
<laughs> oh boy. Yeah, but, I think uh, Billy's yeah. sister and our brother-in-law is supposed to be joining us too. Okay. So. All right. Well, All right, well be- get some rest up and sober up, and uh, we'll talk at you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. All right, guys, it's Erica Go here again from the future, which is now your present because you're listening to it now. But you you know what I mean. Anyway, thank you for listening to the episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please get on iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and a review. It's one of the easiest ways that you can help us, aside from sharing our tweets, posts, liking Any of that stuff that you can do on any of our social media is greatly appreciated. Word of mouth really goes a long way because if you like us, someone you know has same interests, they might like us too. The best way you can find us is on Facebook at Martinis and the Macabre or our fan base page, Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macabre. If you like to tweet, we're on Twitter at Martini underscore Macabre. We also have an Instagram, which we don't update very often. Sorry about that. But it's Martinis and the Macabre as well. And we also ask that you check out the Murderly Network. It's murder.ly. Lots of other great true crime podcasts. Show all of them some love. You can find all of us at murder.ly. If you would like to be a real baller and financially support the show, please go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash martinis in the macabre and make a pledge. And even just a dollar gets you access to patron-only audio each month and a shout-out on the show. And for just a few dollars more, you can get some exclusive goodies. And once again, thank you to our patrons Kate, Hunter, Cooper, Bridget, Molly S., Sue, Holly, Stephen, Corey, Amy, Donald, Christy, Corina, Bonnie, Marie-Maxime, Molly W., and our newest patron, Belfast Grace. You awesome snuggle bunnies have our undying love. And you can now make a one-time donation in the amount of your choosing via our PayPal link on our website. That's martinisandthemacabre.com. And it's near the bottom of the homepage underneath all the Patreon links. Just click the button and give us some dough. I already told you guys about all the social media. Feel free to post, share, engage. We really have a great community there. We'd like to get more people involved, so please do that. Sharing our pages, posts, and tweets helps get the word out, so please feel free to share away. And as mentioned before, visit our website, martinisandthemacabre.com, to learn a little bit about us. You can listen to our complete episode catalog, listen to all the songs created by Minimus Noah that we use at the end of the episodes, and of course, I'll put another one at the end of this episode. And be sure to find his official first album release called Views on iTunes, Spotify, and many other music providers. It really is an excellent album. Not just saying that because he's our kid. It's, It's dope. And I'm bringing back dope. That's right. For any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, shoot us an email at martinisinthemacabre at gmail.com. Or you can use the contact page on the website. Once again, thank you so much for listening. We really had an excellent time hanging with Kate for a couple hours on my birthday. We were pretty inebriated. Yes. Sorry about that. But it was so much fun. We can't wait to meet up with her at the True Crime Podcast Festival this coming July 2019. It is in Chicago. Go get your tickets now before they run out. We hope to see you guys there. And with all that said, stay safe, snuggle bunnies, and we'll see you in two weeks. Bye. 
plug. No, not butt plug. But <laughs> comma. <laughs> Bad. Yes, that's so the bad best thing ever. Go with it. Go with it. It's fine. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs>